0: Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we listen to a band, artist, and then we talk about it. This week we're talking about The Clash. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here
1: with.
2: I'm Dax. Jared.
1: I'm Tyler. Last name Severson, if you want to look me up on Facebook, because no one knows my last name.
2: Oh. Well, all I'm right. TMI,
0: buddy. <laughs> are you are you are you trying to, to network in new ways?
1: I just thought Caleb Boy says his last name. Maybe once I'll do it. That
0: makes sense. You, I feel like you're I don't the one who say my last name. I don't say mine. Oh, we'll never. Shut up, know, Jared though. Robinson. Oh, oh, no. nobody cut. That. Oh, come on! Doesn't everybody who oh. listens at this point know that we're brothers? No, they really? shouldn't know. Has that has that ever been addressed? Oh, I'm sure it has. Okay, I wasn't sure. This week we're talking about the clash. How did everybody feel about the clash? It punk, punk. <laughs> some of it some of it
1: yeah most of yeah, it like a little bit of it
0: not all of it so i think that's a good place to start the clash are a very diverse group in terms of their genre selection what do we think about everything that they did genre wise what works what doesn't work for you and that, that's kind of a question of which albums work for you, because I think that it's kind of different per album to a certain degree. I think that specifically things start to change quite a bit on London Calling and Sandinista.
2: What works, what doesn't work? So like their first two albums are very punk, very punk. Then their next two albums were just kind of like, they're still punky. But, but they're, like, also kind of, like, classic Rocky and, like, there are weird elements thrown they're in there dub. also.
1: They're full-out dub.
2: Yeah. And then there, the one after that, is it one or two after that? How many were there? They
0: there were That we listened four. to? There's a total of six albums in their discography. Right.
2: Yes. They all blended together because they're so damn long. Not well, all the of them are so aren't. damn long. Yeah, the, the last first two. The last one, definitely. The last one, San definitely. Sanista. Do we just want to get into Sandinista now? It was so interesting i I was into it and hated it at the same time
0: two
1: that's too long
2: half hours
0: triple album it's okay so here's where i will say i don't think that an album that is this long is inherently too long for instance there's a very popular group swans swans do huge albums and they are received very well but It's like, with Sandinista, they're doing so much in two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. As to say that you have, like, these reggae songs, you have these punk songs, you have these R&B songs, you have a ton of dubs, you have, like, okay, this would be a good time. Jared, would you like to talk about some of the tracks that stood out to you? I would like to. Yes, do that now, and then we'll keep talking about Sandinista. So... The opening track, great stuff. Maybe the best song on the album. I agree. The, the Magnificent Seven. Great track. One of the first rap rock, probably the first rap rock song ever. It, it's funk, it's hip hop, it's rap rock. Um, Joe Strummer, like what, he enjoyed the beginnings of hip hop. Grandmaster Flash, the Sugar Hill Gang, groups like that. That, that was the beginnings of, of rap music. And he he like carried around a boot box with him, and he's trying to be all cool and hip and stuff back then in the, in the in in that time frame. So that's a very good song. I like that song. It Might be the highlight, potentially the highlight of the whole album. And then you got um, lose this skin, another good song from that album, featuring Tim and Dog. Play that song just a little bit, a little taste of it. That is a that is a English singer Tim and Dog, very like uh, kind of like the Pogues or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and he sang lead vocals on that song. Yes, and the Clash did not sing that song. That was just a guy. <laughs> yeah, it's very bizarre. And that like that song, it was like so different that it actually like helped that album. Whereas most of the other stuff was very bizarre. Then here we go. You get to the end of the album. Yep, you got all these weird dubs. You get like some backwards tracks you get all kinds of craziness going on and you got career opportunities go ahead and play that you really want to be a cop career opportunities
2: are ones that never knock every job they offer you to keep you out of dock career opportunities are ones that never knock was that an episode of peppa pig <laughs> <laughs> it's truly grating. Truly perhaps
0: the worst thing you could have possibly put on an album. That Go was ahead. that is a, a a cover, I suppose, although it's hard to cover your own <laughs> song on your own album, but it's a reworking of uh, the song Career Opportunities on their debut album The Clash, sung by uh the children of their keyboardist Mickey Gallagher, his two young children Luke and Ben just singing over a simple keyboard melody. Huh. Why just would you children. like why would you do that? Why would I, you put that on your album? And I can't even imagine the scenario where like they're like, "All right, kids, it's time to learn this song that we used to sing. Now you have to learn it." And I can just see them
2: like, "No, no, you have to do it this way." Like That's like the most punk rock thing ever. <laughs>
1: just having a bunch of kids play one of your it's, songs. It's full-out DIY. <laughs> I don't know. Very bizarre. Uh, it's they're it's moving right into the hardcore punk scene.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just this album just I think is doing too much. And that's really my biggest gripe. I think You think that... it's weird? Hm. You
1: think it's odd that this album they keep talking about Rudy in here and this thing was released 1 year after the release of The Specials self-titled debut album? What's up with that?
0: I, I do not know.
1: I do Copies, not know. man. You all know the specials?
0: No.
2: No.
1: The f- like the first ska band?
2: No. I don't, actually. Go oh, on, man. please. Speak.
1: Oh, man.
0: School us. School us good.
1: <sighs> the specials were an English group formed of African... Well, not African-American. African Englishmen and standard white Englishmen in which they played... Basically, like, you know, essentially Clash-esque punk music with Mm -hmm. trombones and trumpets. And it was essentially like one of the early, more popular ska groups.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: They had a song called A Message to You, Rudy, which was one of their more popular songs off that album. Mm -hmm. Gangsters was a popular one. But they wore and stylized the checker coloring. And what you think of a ska today really kind of stems from a lot of stuff in the specials. But their, their debut release in 79 had a message to you, Rudy, on it. And the Clash keep talking about Rudy all the time and getting all reggae.
2: Well, Rudy can't fail. Mm.
0: Hold on a minute. I know what you're about to do, but I have one thing to say about the specials. (laughs) I just read this thing. They have a song called Free Nelson Mandela. That was a top 10 UK hit in
2: 1984. Go ahead and do your thing. That, That sounds familiar, I think. I'm not really sure. Uh, so, so Rudy can't fail can we play that I've been dying to talk about this can Rudy just... can't fail
0: let's play Rudy can't fail right want. <laughs>
2: Doesn't that sound familiar? I think it does. I'm not sure. What does that sound like?
0: That's what we're trying to figure out. This is truly a stumper. Tyler, you got anything? Oh, you
1: all don't know? You tell us what you think it sounds like. So
2: it's got the bo diddly beat kind of in there. Yeah. So there's that, but there's definitely something else. It's kookaburra. I still don't know if I agree with that. What do you think,
1: Tyler? You think it's Kookaburra? No, it's a theme song for a children's cartoon. Oh, is it? What song? You don't know it? I don't remember. It's stuck now to my head. Oh, no. You're so close.
2: I would love it if it it was the theme song for a child. Is it Gullah Gullah
1: Island? No.
0: What? You just pulled something out of your ass. I was thinking about it. come and let's play together in no nope. wait is it no.
2: out of the box doo, doo, doo. how does out of the box go out of the box out of the box take, take one, one box, box put it in another
0: let's look for one that's one <laughs> and wide yeah oh man. yeah <laughs> that just cool. happened okay
2: oh my two goodness. brothers
0: just jamming out to out of the box.
2: Potentially not brothers. Okay, we're done. Now, I do have a song that it sounds close-ish to it. Uh, it's Hate Everyone by uh, Say Anything. Yeah. Can you can we play that a little bit? Sure. This is as close to, as I can get.
0: Chris Boy Now sat onto the earth in a stream of guts my mother nature, that green-eyed slut. I wasn't the first to get force from a cut. One to whom I still shall stay stuck. from the
1: cradle.
2: But that song sounds more like Ring of Fire than it does. The, it's just... It's there. If anyone can tell me what this is, it's been driving me crazy. It has. It's truly a stumper. Truly, truly a stumper. Do you want to real quickly do one that you do know? Well, since we're talking about child cartoons. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Let's uh, let's hear, uh, what is that song called? Again? Brand New Cadillac. Brand New Cadillac.
0: Jared's been looking forward to this one because this one we have kept in the dark from him. So let's play it at normal speed first. It's rocket power.
2: No. Good oh, try. Okay. Can we play it at uh, slightly faster speed? Three, two, one. Got a blast. <laughs> that is Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Play rocket power. I think I'm right. <laughs> We're not playing
0: rocket <laughs> power. Hold on, man. We're not playing rocket I kinda power. I
2: kind of want to hear it if it sounds oh, familiar. All
0: right. Boop, 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 boop. We're going off track here, guys. It's why I'm trying not to do Rocket Power theme. Well, you're you're, 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 you're a good band, bad band in me right you'll now. You'll edit it, and if it sounds terrible, then you'll just take it out. It's fine. Yeah, no, that's just that's yeah, Beachy, that's... bud, but no, thank you, Beachy, bud. <laughs> Buy the t-shirt on right, our Patreon. Ye- I don't even weird. know where to go. <laughs> but Tyler, Tyler can talk. Well, he hasn't talked about Sandinista. Let him talk about Sandinista.
1: Yeah, please. What am I talking about, Sandinista?
0: What were your thoughts on it? Did you Do you agree that it's, it's way just-
1: too long? Way too way long. Too okay. Long. Way too long. It's way too long. And it's just, it doesn't, I get it. Clash. Now you're reggae dance. You started off as a dance punk, even you started off with a little jingly sounds. You had some pretty good guitar tones and you're like, guess what? Now we do reggae things and stuff.
0: Yeah, but then what happened on Combat
1: Rock? Jangle, if you will. On Combat Rock, they're like, guess what? Now we've got to make songs that people want to listen to. It was, So we're going to put a whole bunch of garbage in there that reflect the 80s.
0: Yeah, it was a weird shift. Like, they were doing all of these weird experimental things, and then they were just like, well, now we're a pop rock band. I I like right. Combat Rock. I like, uh, like, Rock, rock the Casbah is an 80s. Like, it's pretty good 80s tune. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, at that point, I would rather you know them do. Better? I'd rather them do combat rock than do what they did on Sandinista. Sure. Mm-hmm. So sure. like if, you, if yeah, the, but
1: you could take all the decent songs on Sandinista and make a, a pretty good album. I well, they agree. didn't do it.
0: Yeah, they did not. I agree well, that no. if you condense Sandinista into some select few tracks, it would probably be one of their best albums. I think that if they had known to take the best and put the best together, rather than just throw everything onto an album cuz i just like i don't know what my favorite song off of Sandinista is other than probably the magnificent 7 because like track 13 14 15 16 i have lost track of everything yep there's just too much yeah
1: yeah there is too much it's supposed to be a world music album yeah mm-hmm. yep i what if, okay was...
0: before you go on from that what do we think about world as a genre it's weird. What, well, the concept I, is weird. It oh. is literally means we love the earth. Oh, don't you start. It is our planet. Don't you start. Not on, Not here. Not now. <laughs> Anyways, with <laughs> world music, world music is this... Oh, my God. <laughs> world music is essentially non-Western music. And it's an entire genre that is just saying these are the sounds of non-Western music. So when you listen yeah. to an album and they say... Oh yeah, this has like a world feel to it. What you're saying is this doesn't sound like Western music, and that's it. Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's so like, this uh... doesn't even
1: it doesn't even really work for this because this does sound like Western music.
0: What's that Paul Simon record that that he like went off somewhere and, and made? You know what I'm talking about?
2: Do I don't. I don't.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't have this information. Just like. This sounds my like
1: head. a bunch of junk. It's really difficult.
2: I mean,
0: there are obviously...
1: Did you know it was voted best album of the year in the Paz and Jop critics' polls in the Village Voice?
0: Am I talking about Graceland? You might be. I'm going to say I'm talking about Graceland. I mean, the Beatles did the same thing, where they, like, traveled and made music that reflected the music of the area that they were in, which would theoretically be, world
1: music. But, I don't know. Well, they just took elements of... The areas they were in and made it into turned it into you know like brought it into their music right they didn't like go out and be like this is an album that is here's an indian music album like none of their albums are like that they added the sitar and various other types of like percussionist instruments mm-hmm. from india and in the region but they never made a world album
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i don't know and apparently like this is on rolling stone's list of 500 greatest albums of all time yes it is
0: what is combat rock no sandinista
1: no sandinista and no. i don't understand okay. i don't i, I re- think I'd i don't know. that list
0: part of me still f- i actually love that list i i got a lot of when i did my music project from last year i pulled a lot of albums from that list because there's a lot of really good albums off that list but i think that part of it is also that sandinista is not an album that you get one one listen and and so I think I would say and this is just being realistic it's probably going all of our over all of our heads to a certain degree because there's so much going on that it's hard to grasp everything that went on so to a certain degree it is that but I do also think that our opinions are valid that there's too much going on Does that make sense I don't sense? know I think it's probably
1: over our heads cuz we weren't cuz we're missing an understanding of the time that's partially true. Yes, like I the also... you know beginning of the '80s in England, and here's a group that is was known as a punk group, not quite to the degree that the Pistols were. They were influenced by the mm-hmm. Ramones and the punk scene in the U.S., but they were obviously a big group in the punk scene in in the U.K. And their first two albums blended really well elements, of the speed, the the bass tones, and the sound of American punk. Well, making it more jangly and and uh, like UK-British sounding, mm-hmm. and even adding some dance elements into there, and then they didn't come out with London Calling, which is just different.
0: It is different. It's definitely different.
1: And where do you go after that? So that's where they went.
0: Yeah. So let's get into a little bit more of London Calling, because London Calling is, I think, where we're probably going to spend most of our time... Oh, you have something? Combat Rock, Straight to Hell. Oh, yeah. you want to talk about Combat if we're Rock? We're going to be on that... First, I sure. mean if we're all, we're already on that album so let's do Sure. That. Also, on Combat Rock there's a song <laughs> called Sean Flynn and Sean Flynn was a journalist who went missing in Cambodia during the Vietnam War. And I also they were... went
2: to school with a Sean Flynn. Probably a Interesting. different. Guy. Yeah, I think it
0: might be a different guy. So what what do you want to play off of Combat Rock? Give me one. Let me find Sean Flynn. Make sure he died in Cambodia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was I mean, during the Vietnam War. It's what I said. It was Cambodia. I was right. No need to cut. I was correct. Okay. Um, cool. Play. Um, Straight to Hell. Yeah. Boop 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 boop. Golly G Credited I I thought I thought That 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 song Was gonna be M.I.A. From this episode Oh my I'm not allowed to play this, but I can highly recommend that you guys check out a YouTube video called... <laughs> oh, God.
2: Paper- Come on. Paper Planes. Hold on. Let me stop <laughs>
0: We're not playing it. You said we're not playing it, so we're not playing it. Why would you talk about it, Because then? it's relevant.
2: No, it- whatever.
0: Paper Planes, but every time there's a gunshot, it's a musket. Check it out. Everybody watch it. <laughs>
2: Can you just oh, say how long that video is? 12 minutes. 12 right. minutes. Right. Don't do play it. it. No,
0: we're doing it. Oh, you don't have to play it. This is your thing. Just I wanted to mention it. Well, if we're mentioning it, we might as well do it. It's well, not worth it. It's not worth it because it's just an audio thing. It, it's the, it's worth the visual. It. All right, all right, all right, right, all,
2: right, all right, right. We'll link to it. We'll yeah, link it'll to be it. in there. So that's
0: Combat Rock. Do we have anything else we want to say about Combat Rock?
1: You know, its song should have been on Combat Rock because it would have fit, but it would have been the best song on there because it's way better than the rest. Which one? Train in Vain.
0: Song. That's a great song.
1: It fits more over there. It doesn't really fit here. And then Sandi Denisa comes out, and it doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, Train in Vain was on London Calling. I know. Why would it? How would it have come out five years later? I get. I get the you. I understand what you're saying, but how would you say this song should have been on an album five years later? They wrote it, and then it was on an album they, the, didn't, they, they should have, have waited five song, years. It's the
1: transitional song from London Calling to Combat right?
0: Yeah, so really what you're saying is is that like London Calling should have led into Combat Rock whether, rather than Sandinista yes, being in the middle.
1: Absolutely. That and, makes more and sense. Train in Vain is a is a song that would have fit better on Combat Rock. That's what I'm saying.
0: Speaking of Train in Vain. Yes, I will say now. Oh. Train in Vain, favorite Clash song. Boom, all right. Yes. I almost changed. Yes. I almost Was Good. that yours? Hold on a minute. Hold on. Was that Yours Tyler?
1: No. Okay. Well, I thought you said, dang like- it. Okay. No.
0: Train invade is my favorite. I almost changed it cuz I listened to I listened to London Calling as we all did. Mhm. And I knew that I liked a lot of the songs. I mean, London Calling, when we talk about it, I'll go into it. But I knew I liked a lot of the songs from London Calling, like Just songs. The mm-hmm. albums as a whole is I have my feelings about it, but certain songs I like a lot. Sure. I almost changed my mind and said that my favorite song was The Card Cheat, because that is a great song also. Yes. But the song that I go back to more often than not is Train in Vain. It is so fun. It's great. It's like a really good punk pop song, but not like pop punk, but a it's punk dance pop song. It's man. It's dance very good. Punk. And at that, I say, play the song. You
1: say, you say.
0: That was a good transition. Well done. Thank you. You're welcome. It was brought up, so I said, now's my chance. (laughs) I'm not going to miss my shot. That's what Hamilton said. I do agree, though, that that song has... So I think the interesting thing is, is that London Calling has both elements of Combat Rock and Sandinista. I think that their musical trajectory makes a lot of sense. I think that the punk elements that they had on their original albums... All made sense from where they started. I think that the transition into what they did with London Calling is an important and interesting transition. And I think that both of their following albums sound like it makes sense that this is where they would go with their music, following what they did on London Calling. The success of what comes after London Calling is what I would put into question. But I think that what they did makes sense. So, yeah. So, like I said, I was, what we were going to do, which is, which is fine, uh, talk about London Calling, because I think London Calling is probably the album that we would talk about the most. The first thing that I want to talk about, and this is something that Jared brought up uh, when we were listening to some of the music, there are a lot of political elements to The Clash's music. They're very politically driven, like, artists. And that makes sense, because that is what punk is. Punk is a very politically charged, politically important genre, a lot of what comes out of punk is politically relevant. But yeah. what Jared said is, why don't you let me say? Please. <laughs> okay, thank you. I was actually going to motion oh, to you and oh. it's okay. Go All right. ahead. Jared said He is, motions to me now. Um so with the like the Sex Pistols and the Clash are both Probably the best punk bands from the 70s, arguably the best punk bands ever, and they both are very politically driven. The difference is is that the Clash talk about very descriptive political elements in their music that is difficult for a U.S. audience to kind of get behind. Like the the Sex Pistols talk about anarchy. And those are things that I can, you know, get behind, and I can understand. Oh, you can get behind anarchy. <laughs> Where That's and an interesting position to take. Whereas, like the Clash, talk about specific parts of, like I don't know if I can really like um, associate that much with the guns of Brixton. I, mm-hmm. I don't live in Brixton. I mm-hmm. don't know about you know the guns there. The, you know, like the,
2: tell the me the difference. About
1: Brixton. The difference comes with. The pistols talk about the anger that the like the society in England in that time felt against the representation, right? Mm-hmm. So they're utilizing the anger and they're talking about it in terms of social uprising, as compared to the Clash, who are talking who are more of a social critique.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and to be a social critique, you have to speak specifically Correct. about situations okay. happening in the nation in which you live.
0: Well, okay. So I think that the the thing that's interesting about all of this is is where it comes from is is that the Clash, especially the lead singer, so Strummer is very very involved in politics. They they specifically as a group are just very involved in politics. And I think that there's a the purpose of the music is not always necessarily to resonate with The audience so let's say that it it is a case that the clash release an album like london collie and they they talk about things that are politically relevant in the 70s to that area part of it is that they're not thinking well maybe this music is going to be you know relevant to people in 2019 in america what they really are thinking is can our music have some kind of political change in our time in our climate based on what is going on. And I think that I understand and I realize that it is difficult to say that sometimes these political messages are relevant today, but I think that the music was incredibly important for when it was released. I think that musically everything still lands, but I could agree with you and say that maybe the political elements don't necessarily translate as well but i do think that they do to a certain degree oh yeah i'm not saying they don't it's yeah. just it's more difficult is what i'm saying sure like what the-, the the sex pistols had simpler lyrics mm-hmm. and like their titles were simpler mm-hmm. i mean submission and they just repeat submission over and over you know, like that's a good song has a great bass but it's mm-hmm. just the songs you know it, it's simpler mm-hmm. you know like and the same thing with um god save the queen like they sing about a fascist regime, and, and that I can un—that is a thing we can relate to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that it's more relatable. Whereas I don't know. Wh- whereas the Clash, I I relate to things in the Clash, but I it's harder when you're talking about specific places, Brixton, mm-hmm. London, mm-hmm. places specific places, which I don't. I understand the idea of it. It's just a little bit more difficult to relate to, mm-hmm. but not to say that it's not. You're like that's, that's lead single, the lead single, yeah, the lead single from that album is still their one of their most notable songs. Mm-hmm. so
1: yes, but the, it plays it plays into and a lot of this music does. Fugazi does dead Kennedy's do a lot of hardcore punk from the u s. Mm-hmm. when you look at the trajectory of punk, right? I mean, we have punk in New York and the Ramones and then the east the West coast and all of this. And as it moves to the u k, it gets politicized in a different way. and as it returns, it becomes more politicized over here. but. All of this plays off the cyclical nature of social unrest. All of this is relevant at almost any point in time. I mean, you can you can listen to a lot of these songs, especially, for instance, uh, "Police and Thieves." That's my favorite Clash song.
0: Ooh, ooh, Police and Thieves.
1: Are you like? It's obviously relevant today. mm -hmm, I agree. It's so clearly relevant because of this cyclical nature of social unrest. And they really tune into it in a different way. I mean, I can be angry all the time, and I can listen to the Sex Pistols and always be like, yeah, but I can't understand the nature of social unrest in the way that you can with the clash. Real quick, I'm going to play
0: some Police and Thieves, and then we'll come back to this topic.
2: Was gonna be my favorite song was it really was it? yeah i'm gonna have to find something else aren't i Are you- oh i not I'll I'll necessarily pick i'll pick your
1: favorite <laughs> <laughs> you like the dance the dance elements that they're throwing in on their debut mm-hmm. in 77 first off this oh, is yeah. my favorite this is my favorite clash album as well i'm i'm i'm, I'm in disagreement with the music world and saying that this is better than london calling
0: i mean you're not far off there
1: this just landed and hit in such a perfect way for me mm-hmm. Ooh
0: day, de- I mean, the debut is still considered one of the most important punk albums of all time. Rolling oh, Stones put it as number two on their most important punk albums. Uh, number 12 on their Rolling St- uh, Rolling Stones put it as their number 12 on debut albums. Mm-hmm. Um, Pitchfork put it at number 44 in the, of, of all albums in the 70s. Enemy put it as in their top 50 or 500 of all time. Like it's still a super, super important album. Absolutely. But I do agree that a lot of people will see that London Calling is considered their more important and relevant and better, whatever album. Yep. I'm, st- I would still say that London Calling is my favorite album. I, I do really like the debut album though. I, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that you're by any means out of. I don't think it's weird that it would be your favorite, I guess.
1: Yeah. I've so. got a little I've got a little uh that sounds familiar from that album. What? Ooh. what? Ooh. Ooh. Who is this?
0: Tyler Ooh. Severson coming in with the that sounds familiar. What you it's got? A little,
1: it's a little punk nerd that sounds familiar. It's on the song Cheat, right Kay. around one minute, ten seconds. You got it. Now, if you want to play for me, the Ramones gimme gimme shock treatment, you can just start from the beginning.
0: All right, Dax, our resident, that sounds familiar, aficionado,
2: what's your verdict? I am neutral. Oh. All right. All right. I won't discredit it because I I hear elements, but...
1: You don't hear the same lyrical progression?
2: I hear elements. I am neutral. (laughs) That sounds in the same realm. That sounds in the same realm isn't interesting. Man, he's
1: so discrediting. I'm never doing this again.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Here,
0: let's do one that's pretty direct to to appease Dex. I know he's got another one lined up, so we'll do it real quick. All right. Now
2: I'll, get, I'll give you mine. Let's hear uh, Live While We're Young by One Direction. Golly gee, uh, Did, I didn't didn't. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you I went really that's fast. That's a tough one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that sounds like. What do you think? I don't know. Doesn't it sound like we should, should we stay or should we something about? Should I stay or should I go now? Mm. <laughs> Pretty direct on that one. Yeah, right on the nose. They do that on occasion.
1: Yeah. yeah well, you know, it's a combat rock song.
2: Did The Clash get paid for that? I hope they did. I certainly hope so. Speaking of The Clash well, getting paid, I got a little anecdote about them that I want to talk about. Go for it. So their double albums uh, were charged. They cost the same amount as a single. And in order to pull that off, The Clash just made less money on their double albums.
0: Yep. On a Sandinista, they, for the first time, agreed that they all wrote all the songs. And split yep, it four true. ways so that it would come out more the, uh, as an affordable purchase for people.
2: Hmm.
0: Hmm. That Even is though it was a triple album with way more songs that some could have been cut potentially, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, they in, instead of want like the two normal people that were accredited, which was Joe Strummer and uh, what
2: was that other uh, dude's name? Shit, what is his name? Oh my goodness! My Mick Jones. Cover. Mick Jones.
0: Yeah, Mick yes. Jones. Mick Jones. The two, Those are the two that mainly wrote songs. You know, some one guy has a keyboardist and uh, he has their son <laughs> sing some songs. But, uh, um, yes. yeah. Uh, this is a good point really quickly since you're talking about some of the members of the group as well. Uh, to tie together Sex Pistols and The Clash, Jared, would you like to talk a little bit about Mr. Keith Levine? Oh, well, that wasn't what I was doing. That was your thing. Oh, just okay. I, I well, you wanted to talk about, I guess, the fact that. Well, I guess I should have done that when we did. Actually, um, we did not listen to "Cut the Crap" because it is a terrible, terrible album. I did listen to. Uh, it's one of the worst albums that you can listen to, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. very bad. But the only redeeming thing about "Cut the Crap" is if you lis- If it would have been mixed properly, which it was not, uh, it sounds very bad. But you can hear what is the beginnings of Big Audio Dynamite, the group after The Clash. Would you like to play that now? Yeah. Led by Mick Jones. Is this Rush? Yes.
2: If I had my time again,
0: I would do it all. I think we're both thinking the same thing, Dex.
2: Golly gee, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah. So that that was the 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 group that was led by Mick Jones. Yes. So Keith Levine also came out of, and this was he was not the he was one of the founding members of the Clash, but did not remain with them throughout their time. Correct. When he left, he was also a member of the band Public Image Ltd., which was fronted by Johnny Rotten, the man himself. So there is actually like we've been talking <laughs> about the Sex Pistols and we've been talking about the Clash and there's obviously a big tie to those groups. So, thought I would throw that out there. That's some interesting interesting stuff to talk about. You had one more Jared.
1: Pistols.
0: Oh, um the other group you mean? Mhm. So there is a punk group that was started in 2002. Also by Mister Mick Jones, formerly of the Clash and Big Audio Dynamite, that is a duo, a punk duo consisting of Mick Jones and Tony James, formerly of the punk group Generation X, called Carbon Slash Silicon, Silicone, Silicon, Silicone. However you want to say it is fine. So play that. There's a song. Yeah, uh, the, I first heard this song uh, on, I believe either fuse or something like that on television many many years ago this song is called the news it is a bunch of old punkies trying to be relevant still that's a pretty decent song here it is i started smiling
2: at every one i made and people started looking good instead of bad realized what they could lose and what they always had people started growing instead of being crushed and people started
0: Wow, that was a pretty fun song. It that sounds like fun. some For some, for some oldie, old men singing about the news. Sounds like something hey, you know know who was Disney's a, a founding
1: member of Generation X. Who? William Brode.
0: Why don't you tell us who that guy is? <laughs> Billy Idol.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you believe it? Man. Tiny Tim himself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes together. Speaking of coming together, let's wrap up. Two conversations that we... Things we've been talking about. One is what worked and what didn't work for The Clash. And one is just the album London Calling. So London Calling is, by and large, considered not only their most important album, but one of the most important albums of all time. It's a great album. It was Rolling Stone on their list of all-time albums number eight. That is a, a... very big thing i would certainly wasn't number nine number nine
1: here's a quick one here's a quick one of what most influential album of 79 london calling or unknown pleasures Ooh, uh, what a rush how could you do that to me (laughs) Um,
0: london calling for me
1: they're both really they're both post-punk albums
0: they are i agree that's the interesting thing too uh Dax, you were talking about, you felt like you got some talking heads off of this album as well. Yeah. Because uh, it's there. It's even kind of like new wavy. Ooh. Ooh, talking um, heads
1: also sprung from the punk movement.
0: There's a lot of interesting things that sprung from the punk movement that we have talked about. Uh Talking heads, of course, had an album from the same year, <laughs> Fear of Music, that was received very, very well. Yeah, uh, good move. So I don't... Between Unknown Pleasures and London Calling, I think that I would put Unknown Pleasures slightly above London Calling. Yeah,
1: that's, no. that's what I.
2: No,
0: that's fair. No. I it's that's a tough one. Unknown Pleasures is not re- I, well; it still is considered one of the most important albums of all time. But I think that most would probably say. I think most would probably say London Calling. I would say.
1: So what I was going to say more hmm. accessible London calling is.
0: Oh, for sure. By a mile. More people know it. Yeah, I agree. So what is it about London calling that works so well, I guess is the big question. What is it about this album from your perspective that makes London calling one of the most influential, like well-received albums of all time? Big question. Answer. However you please. I think that it is so good because it is has very little mistakes. I think it's so different. I mean it's punk. It, like it's all of um, like their beginnings and what the next chapter is all in one and it mm-hmm. is done well. Mm-hmm. So all of the mistakes that they made on Sandinista were not made in my opinion, on London calling. They mm-hmm. like them doing world music, reggae, punk rock, dance, punk, all of those things that they incorporated into London calling all worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um I like their more poppy rock songs on that album like I'm hoping that you transition into this. Come on, you got it. Say it. I like Death or Glory a lot. My favorite song that's from the Clash. I, that it was what the, I hoped you were going to say. The card sheet I'm not down train and van as I've always, already mm-hmm. stated. Mm-hmm. Like all of those are like fun upbeat punk rock songs mm-hmm. like and those are the ones that i like the most like london calling is a very good song but it's very politically driven and a very mm-hmm. like punk song mm-hmm. and then like jimmy jazz is like they more that's the reggae song on that album not right. that it, i mean it's not a bad song but it's very i mean mm-hmm. it doesn't fit as well with the album other than the fact that it it
2: that because it's on london calling it works funny yeah. you should mention that i'm gonna change my favorite to jimmy jazz
0: Oh man. Okay, I'm gonna play Death or Glory first. <laughs> yes, and then <laughs> I'm gonna play song. Jimmy Jazz. Hungry,
1: rock and, roll.
0: and then here, right out, we're gonna go right into it, Jimmy Jazz. Walk.
1: I said he ain't here, but he sure went past. Who oh, you looking for? Jimmy Dad. Yeah, they said, start the massacre kind for of, Jimmy Dread, Cut off his gears and show up.
0: Two very different songs. That was kind of yeah. like a, the way that he sung it, like his vocal inflection was similar to Dylan a little bit. Uh, I was thinking Randy Newman. That's that's all right too. Newman, Newman. We have not really, we've ever talked about Newman on this podcast. No, no. We have talked about times. Randy yeah. Newman,
2: have we? A, yeah. little, bit, a yeah, little bit, yeah, briefly. Okay,
1: Dax. Hmm, 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 hmm. Any thoughts on what makes this album work for you?
2: Uh a lot of what Jared said. I mean, it's just a very like easy to listen to album. Like, you can dive into it, or you can just, like, leave it on. Like, there's there's many layers, mm-hmm. much like an onion. Much like, indeed. Wow. Tyler, what are your thoughts?
1: I think that this album, I think, like, the time has just as much to do with it as anything else, right? So it's 79, punk is changing, we're moving into the 80s. It's the third album that they're putting out. Their sound is starting to change. They've always had that dance, punk sound with a little bit of a reggae vibe they we always thrown some reggae in there and i think that what they've done on this album is taken varying various different sounds and like different styles from the things that influenced them or that they found interesting and they were able to change them into a way that sounded new and fresh and outside of what punk was and what music that musical area was so i mean for instance if you listen to the beginning of brand new cadillac that little guitar riff that comes in, that's a very 60s surf-rocky sounding thing. But they've placed it in there at the beginning and they've transformed all of that sound into the rest of the song into a way that just has something new and exciting in it. Mm -hmm. I think they've really done a great job at taking old sounds, whether it be their old sounds, whether it be varying different sounds from the early 70s or even some of the 60s and really addressing things in a different way. And even a little little
0: earlier too, because they have some jazz elements on this album that surprised me as well so so close closing closing conversation that I want to and we can make it brief. How do you think that the clash has influenced music today? It's usually a, a good, I think closing way to talk about things what did What did the clash do in terms of shaping what our punk sound, what our whatever sound is today? If I no,
1: think they' clearly a defining role in the sound of u k punk i mean u k. punk sounded a little bit different than the way American punk was at the time mm-hmm so their sound obviously affected that and i i mean i when i listen to especially uh, the self-titled a lot of the tone in the guitar and some of the ways the guitar is playing really remind me of later to come the smiths Mm -hmm. and various groups like that yeah and i can see a lot of those influences in like a jangle pop or more uh you know that the pitch and tone rock pop uh groups that come along from that point on and i think that they've really done, you know, they've transformed with London calling and with the other albums, a transition into post-punk, into what punk can be going forward into the eighties outside of, because it kind of came back round when we deal with hardcore punk in the eighties in the US, Mm -hmm. but it didn't do that exact same thing in the UK and it, and they really had a big influence. And in fact, I mean, Joy Division is a good example too. both people coming from the UK, coming from listening to. U.S. and U.K. punk music and being in those scenes and bringing forward something to push forward into the 80s outside of just more of the same stuff or, you know, some of the things that were going on in popular music during the time.
0: Jared, Dax, any thoughts on that? On what the thing that you asked me about before it came out? Their influence? Yes. Oh, no, I don't really have any thoughts on their influence. Okay. I don't. I I mean, it's there. Mm. I don't have a specific group. That I can like say came from them. Sure, uh, I mean, obviously they inspired One Direction. Clearly, yes. they sure did. Uh, M.I.A. Yeah. yeah, there's that. <laughs> they also inspired. If you play the song "Complete Control," I'll tell you what they inspired. All that for that yeah they said you're my guitar hero ah. and then they made a whole video game series based off of that i don't know that the whole video game series was based off of that one line from a clash song is but that... i hope it was
1: i've got three things i'd be remiss if i didn't mention
0: okay let's say
1: one of them is the clear borrowing of elvis presley's debut album cover for london calling yep definite callback pretty cool the other we didn't talk about give him enough rope although i think it's a really great punk album we did not talk good about songs. that all at
0: all did we nope
1: oh. Nope. tommy gunn safe european home my favorite from that album really a great punk song a little bit of poppiness in it also just a really good album pretty good middle album right that kind of really defined some some good punk sounds mm-hmm. and we got one single in specific that We did not talk about that, was not on here because they did this thing too, where they've released some singles that were not on. I know what it is.
0: I know what it is. Which Mm -hmm. one? I fought the law, baby. No. (laughs) Really? Not I fought the law?
1: No, we can talk about that briefly because Dead Kennedy's did a version that's way better. So did Green Day, but it was not better. Ooh, I'm talking about White Man in Hammerstein Pelias. Mm, Mmm. Know that song? song It's a full-out. Nobody knows. Really? It's a full-out, yeah, it's a full-out reggae track. That was a single off of their first album, Era. Do
0: you want to play a little bit of it?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: I'm going to say it now real quick. Uh, He just just names people in the beginning of the song. He's just saying names. I'm going to say it now. And it's it's a little bit of a hot take. Uh, I hope... That this is the last time we have to talk about reggae. Because I will say it now. <laughs> oh. I am not a fan of reggae oh. music. Yeah, he when we listened to Sandinista, he's like, I don't like reggae. I said, play, I'm, let me play many rivers to cross. And he's like, I'm not into it. I was like, come on, this is I a just, good song. I'm just it's this it's that same damn guitar like structure, and I'm just not into it. I don't know. You like the roots? He Mark was leaf. the only
1: white guy at the reggae show at the Hammersmith. Wow. That's what he's singing about. Wow. This, I bought um, the Clash self-titled. It was a deluxe edition because that's what they sold at Best Buy at the time because they suck. <laughs> at When I was in middle school, I bought that on the same exact day in Battle Creek, Michigan that I bought Fugazi in hits. Mm. And I listened to both of those albums forever. Both very good. So the albums, part of the reason it's my unbiased is because of that, I'm sure. That makes but sense. The... the uh deluxe version had that and clash city rockers and i fought the law All three of those singles were also on gotcha you
0: know what the why they recorded i fought the law is that they went to uh, a recording studio i believe and it had a jukebox in it and they played the song they saw that song in the jukebox they're like hey what's this so they played that song from the jukebox and they like enjoyed it so much they learned how to play it and then went home and put it on their album their cover of it nice all from a jukebox. So if you guys play jukeboxes, we got to start doing it more. Play more jukeboxes. Bring them back. Bring them back. That's what keeps bars running. Apparently, it's the, only, <laughs> it's the only it's the only thing that keeps the bowling alley alive.
1: I will say, I get I get really happy when I go. There are two bars I know of that have jukeboxes, and they have really awesome albums in them. In fact, one of them, it's Southgate House, they have a jukebox. Oh yeah, and they have a Neil Young CD right next to an unknown Henson CD, and it's awesome.
0: Jukebox mm. at the bowling alley when we, me and Caleb, and I used to bowl on leagues when we were children. We used to listen, have to listen to a few songs uh, once every week. We had to listen to Rob Zombie Dracula every week. We had to listen to Save, Save a Horse, Horse, Ride a Cowboy. Cowboy. Yep. Uh, Redneck Woman by Gretchen Wilson. Yep. Um, what else? Uh, I mean, those are the big ones. Those are the big of. ones. Those are the big ones I can think of. So. Okay, do we have any uh, last thoughts about The Clash specifically? We've covered a lot today. That's all my notes. Tyler, anything you've got left? I'm good. All right. We had a, a I, I would say, going to come out and say it now, very productive conversation about The Clash. I think so. I have another thing I was going to bring up, and oh. we can try and do, I don't know how much we how much time we have or not, but eh. who cares? I was thinking about this this week, thinking of, hmm London Calling by The Clash, thinking of Nevermind the Bullocks where the Sex Pistols by The Sex Pistols. Yep. And thinking about, like, the most definitive punk albums. Mm. Now, I, I, I probably should have asked you guys this, but... Sure. Uh, in the... I also am thinking, this may be, uh, you know, people might not like this, but... Sure. Green Day Dookie, one I- of the most, uh, like, of the of the punk genre, a very definitive record. And then I was wanting to do a top five, but those are the three that really stuck out in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could argue that a Ramones, you know, one of their albums, particularly yeah, their debut, probably their, their debut, debut was probably their debut.
1: blew and, it all up, man.
0: And then I don't know about a fifth, a, a fifth for me. Anybody have any defining out of step minor threat? I'm gonna say one of my highest rated albums. It's a modern album, which I I don't I don't care if it's modern I or don't. Idols Joy is an Act of Resistance is yeah, a good album, one of my favorite punk albums of all time even if it just came out recently it's a phenomenal phenomenal modern punk album. Um, I think
1: Fresh Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables by the Dead Kennedys is also a really really good album. That is difficult. I mean you can it
0: I mean really it doesn't have to be like definitive in terms of Culturally, it could be definitive for your, for yourself. What helped define you liking punk, and those are the ones that are for yeah. me. That's would, why Dookie's on mine. Dookie is on mine as well. Sex Pistols, never mind. The Bollocks is on mine as well. Yep. I think that I mean yours are going to be similar to mine because our punk music. was Nirvana, never similar. mind. Even though it is, um, cons- I mean it, it is grunge, grunge, but it was but influenced it, by punk music for sure. That's probably my fifth. I would. I mean Ramon's Ramon's debut is really honestly one of them too. And I normally listen, like, when I listen to the Ramones, I listen to, like, Greatest Hits stuff. Mm -hmm. And I like non-Ramones. I mean, like, not non-Ramones, but, like, not things from specific albums. I like even their later albums. I like their cover of Tom Waits' I Don't Want to Grow Up. That's a great cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a good cover. I like that D.D. Ramone, I hope we do a Ramones episode, because I I would love to talk about some crazy Ramones stuff. (laughs) Um, D.D. Ramone did a rap album, and he talked about wrestling on it pretty great the crusher actually that's crusher. a ramon song the crusher yep but the, it's about
1: it's about wrestling
0: it is about wrestling i have one more which is uh, another older one and it's more it's more post-punk but it's still punk relevance you know as young marble giants colossal youth which is a lesser known punk album but i i really enjoyed that album so that's, how about that's throw the out there.
1: stooges raw never, power i never
0: got into i the never stooges i also much. never really got in the stooges i didn't love raw power too much I, I think it's an important album but i just it didn't resonate with me as much
1: how about Minutemen double nickels on the dime
0: another one that did not really resonate with me but i i see the relevance and the importance of that album as well
1: all right here's a quick question sure black flag or minor threat oh gosh
0: <laughs> probably Neither. Minor threat. probably yeah, minor threat i'm
1: a, I'm a minor threat as well. I do like me some Henry but cool. Ian's my boy. We're
0: getting a, we're getting a little off track here at the end. What <laughs> we do you are. got? All what right. do you got Dex? You got any records or you I just mean, want to quit? Any super uh, definitive just like just one super definitive punk album?
2: So, at least for me personally. Yeah. I I'd probably throw Screaming Females in there. Sure. Because they're very punky and
0: Yeah, they got some. They're, they're definitely punk.
2: Very, one yeah, of my personal good, favorites. The uh, Bloody Hollies maybe. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I don't know. That's all I Harley can. Harley Poe of. for you. No. They're
0: a little uh, bit of Devo no. in the way right around nah, it. I don't know if I'd consider them punk. Yeah,
1: Bouncing Souls are really good too.
0: I do like them. I like less than Menorical Jake. Laughter was a really good album. We're just covering punk all the way around at this point.
1: All over. Uh, how about some ranted, gang?
0: how about i just speaking of rancid this episode is getting a little smelly let's go ahead and end (laughs) (laughs) sound off sound off to us uh on on our facebook page let us know what your definitive punk albums are how about that and check out our website check out our website please
2: pretty please
0: i'm gonna close out with uh, london calling sound good sounds good all right Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. We've been talking about The Clash. Next week, we're going to be talking about Jared Say It. Bob Dylan. Oh, say it like Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Thank you for listening. How does it feel? All week next week.